spirit of encouragement. So now um, take a moment to go to the Lord in prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to look at your word, Lord, and to, Lord, to open our minds and our hearts to it. We pray that you would, you would bless us. And Lord, I just pray that you would allow me to take a back seat and that you would speak, Lord, that it would be your message, your words, Lord, from your word. Well, thank you so much for the Bible, Lord, for your holy word that you give us, that we have access to, that we can, we can come to know you through it. And just pray that you, you speak loudly tonight, Lord, and push me aside and speak your words, Lord, and the message would be received by those who need to hear it. And Lord, that we would honor and glorify you with it. And thank you for all you do. Thank you for everyone that made it important to be here tonight. And just pray for this church, Pastor Shot, as he continues to recovery, as he continues to recover, and for his ministry going forward, and the vision that he has for Harvest Baptist Church. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Barnabas, I'm going to start, I'm going to, um, we're going to start off in Acts 4, 36, 37. We're going to kind of jump around a little, look at a few different verses. I'm going to read two verses, Acts 4, 36, and 37. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So the first point we're going to look at, Barnabas encouraged generosity. It says here, he, having land sold it, brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So I know that we're all familiar with the concept of the biblical command to tithe, right? And it doesn't say that he sold the land and gave a portion of it. it. says he brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So the way I read that, he gave the whole amount. So it is a, you know, went above and beyond his requirement, his biblical requirement to tithe. And so I think that's important. And again, it's, you know, it lays the foundation for who Barnabas is. Should we tithe on everything that we get from God? Well, certainly it's clear, by my estimation, it's clear that we should tithe on everything we earn monetarily. But what about our time? We need to tithe on our time? I mean, it's, maybe it's a little less clear, but, you know, if, we just want to look at a couple other verses pretty, pretty quickly, but in the latter part of Second Chronicles 31, verse 5, it says, And the tithe of all things brought they in abundance. And then if we look at Proverbs, we don't have to turn here. These are just quick references. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, it says, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart reap my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall be added to thee. So we know that when we talk about tithing, 
it's on our increase, right? It's of, we should tithe all of our increase. So clearly there, to me, there's, you know, follow God's word, live by God's commandments. He's, you know, long life, day, length of days, and you know, will be added unto you. Certainly, we can see that certain sinful lifestyles can cut our life short. So conversely, if we live for God, it's a, it's a healthy life. So it only stands to, to reason that we would live longer, right? And I think that's what Proverbs 31, I believe that's where they're going with that. But if, but if we look at this thing, this concept, this biblical command of tithing, that's a tenth of our increase. But what about going above? What about going above? Because that's what Barnabas did, right? He laid the money from that land at the apostles' feet. Doesn't say he gave a tenth of that of that sale. So he's going above the requirement to tithe, and I, and I think that's important because we all have to do what we think is right, but we want to please God. We want to meet our, you know, meet God's commandments, meet our responsibilities to God, but then, you know, can we go, is it okay to go above and beyond that? Certainly it is. I think, you know, Barnabas, it, the, the work that he did in the ministry required time, right? He traveled around with Paul. I mean, it, it was a big time sacrifice. And it comes down to the local church, the work of God, it takes time. Ministry takes time. The work of God, the work of the ministry, all takes time. You know, we're told to come every time the doors are open, right? What about coming when the doors aren't open? You know, what about coming behind the scenes? I know many of, many of everyone here does that. This, the Wednesday night crowd obviously is the, the core, right? But Sherry's here early playing the piano. I know we talked about all this before. You know, Ann, I know, cleans. Everybody does something. Cecile does the same thing. You know, we all have a part. Tim works on the bus. That's all, that all requires time. But if we're gonna, if we wanna get serious about tithing our time, it's two and a half hours a day, right? 2.4 to be exact, because there's 24 hours in the day. But, you know, whether we, whether we put in that amount of time, we need to look at what we're doing each individually and decide where we can increase, where we can serve, what we can do. I think that was at the heart of Barnabas's ministry, right? We can identify a need. Every one of us can identify a need and fill it. There's no shortage of needs. There's no shortage of needs in church, in the work of God, out in the community even. It doesn't have to be here, but it, but it certainly should start here. So, you know, Barnabas encouraged generosity. That was, his, that was the, you know, his first, the first trait, the first point in generosity of money, generosity of time, generous with his time. So secondly, he encouraged ministry. 
right? So we're going we're gonna to look at Acts 9, 26 and 27. I'm going to read those two verses. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Right? So Barnabas is vouching for Paul. He, he brings him to the apostles. Paul, you know, called Saul before he became an apostle, was a Christian killer. He persecuted Christians, hunted them down, killed them. God reveals himself on the Damascus road to him. Paul gets the Holy Spirit. He decides to devote his life to God. Shows up at the apostles with the apostles. They're looking at him like, I don't know about this guy, right? Rightfully so. I mean, are they going to trust him? They thought, hey, what's, you know, he, this is some kind of trick, right? Of course, because, because of his history, because of his past. But really, like, we could, each one of us could say that too, right? I know I could. I mean, like, people that knew me before I was saved would question my motives if I, if, you know, if they just flashed in time and came to see me today, not that I'm any better than I was, but try to live differently. We try to serve God, and that's a contrast to who we were before. People are going to question that. People aren't going to trust that. But Barnabas vouched for Paul. He, he, you know, he stood up for him. Would Paul have even had a ministry if it wasn't for Barnabas? I mean, in those beginning days, if Barnabas didn't go out of his way to encourage Paul's ministry, to encourage Paul's work for Christ, where would that have left him? Would he, what would have became of Paul? Would there have even have been an Apostle Paul if it wasn't for Barnabas? I mean, that's something we need to look at because that encouraging is valuable. It goes deep. It goes deep to who we are. So we see, you know, Barnabas, Barnabas was an encourager. I think a slim abbot, right? Many of you people that have been around looking around, I know Paul and Tim and some others, Seal, I'm sure, remember Slim D. I've, I met Slim a few times. I didn't know him very well, but when I first started coming, he was here and probably very shortly thereafter he went home to be with the Lord and I, I met him and I talked to him a little bit and I wished I had the opportunity to get to know him better because I believe he was a Barnabas I believe he was an encourager you know in the beginning in, in the beginning of Pastor Schott's ministry he stepped out on faith with a group of men, the leaders of this church and they went into debt and bought this land and built this building. And they had a vote for that. Slim Abbott voted not to do it because he was, you know, old school, right? He was against debt. He wanted to grow organically, naturally. There's prudence in that. 
there, there is prudence in that. But Pastor Schott had a vision. Well, they took the vote, and the vote passed, and they decided to, to buy the land and to build the building. And immediately, Slim Abbott jumped in with both feet. He was Pastor's biggest encourager because he was a Barnabas because it's about being in one accord. It's about all rowing in the same direction. But we could, you know, in a lot of men in that situation, their pride would get the best of them. And they would feel like, well, I didn't get my way. You know, let whatever happens, happens. And I'm just going to sit back and watch. And I'm not going to help. And I'm not going to do anything. I told you so. Right? But that wasn't, that wasn't Slim Abbott. He was pastor's biggest supporter because he knew the value of, of being a Barnabas, of encouraging, of rowing in the same direction as everybody else. The church in one accord. And the book of Acts largely is about, you know, the unity of the church. And it's important to see that there are those people. There were those people in the early days of Harvest Baptist Church. And there's, there's those people today. And I'm looking at a lot of them right now. You know, I came up here the other Saturday a few months ago, or a few weeks ago, I was up here, and Tim Neal came up, and it was cold. He started the bus and took it out for a ride. You know, it's simple things like that, but that's, that's encouraging because when pastor's in the, his office and he looks out and he sees that, he knows that that bus is going to be ready when it needs to roll. And even though maybe right now we don't have a bus ministry, but I know it's on his heart to start one. But see, going back to identifying a need, and filling it. You know, we have one CDL driver. Could we have five? We should, it would be nice to have five, right? And then who can stand up and do that? Who can, who can fill that need? That's what being Barnabas is. That's what being an encourager is. It's encouraging the ministry, the vision of the minister. In this case, Pastor Shah, right? Even if it, even if it, differs from our own idea of what division should be because it's about being in one accord. It's about rowing in the same direction. So we, we, we should try to identify a need and try to fill it. You know, membership comes with privileges, right? Being a member of this church, for me personally, it's had privileges, had a lot of privileges in February. It's going to have a lot of privileges because I'm going to be eating lunch downstairs every Sunday right? We get fed. And it has privileges of friendship and of fellowship and of unity and having people that I can count on when I need encouragement or when I need help or when I need somebody to listen to me or, you know, myriad of things. We all have that. We bear each other's burdens, right? But bearing each other's burdens, it's a two-way street, Right? We want to share our burdens with others, but really, thank you, Adam. It's very encouraging. <laughs> we want to we bear our burden. We, we are called to bear each other's burdens, and we want to share our burdens with others, but the other side of that is we have to bear others' burdens as well. It can't always be one-sided. It can't always be what am I going to get out of this? What am I going to get from being a member here at this church or any church anywhere or being a child of God anywhere? What's in it for me? No, what, what's my responsibility to that? 
What am, how can I serve God? How can I hold the arms of my pastor up or the guy who works on the bus or you know, anybody, any ministry here at all? What can I do? What's my part in that? And, that's, and if I want somebody to listen to me and somebody to confide in that I can trust, I need to also be that for somebody else. It's, it's a two-way street. So we see Barnabas, he was, he encouraged generosity, he encouraged ministry. He encouraged evangelism. The next section we're going to go to is Acts 13, 43 through 48. Now, when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you. But seeing ye put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, and thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. So we're seeing that Barnabas was encouraging that evangelism, evangelizing the Gentiles, right? Because prior to this, the word of God was only for the Jews. Salvation was for Jews. But this concept of giving the gospel to the Gentiles was new and it was uncommon and it was bold and it was risky because it was, you know, nobody likes change, right? And so this is something different, something that was, um, it needed to be done, but it wasn't going to be easy to do. But this evangelism that took place, Barnabas encouraged that. You know, the, the Jewish people rejected the gospel. Now the word of the work of evangelizing the Gentiles began. Barnabas was on the forefront of that. And, he, and it said here, you know, but when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken of contradicting and blaspheming. But they, that was, I'm sorry, I lost my place. So, so we see that, that he encouraged evangelism. So he encouraged generosity. He encouraged the ministry. He encouraged evangelism. And also, he encouraged unity. So when those, those Judaizers, those Jewish Christians, they believed that Gentiles can only be saved after first becoming Jews. Jew, they had to become Jewish, and then they could get the word of God. But, but here, 
there's, you know, Paul is starting the work of preaching directly to the Gentiles. And he tried to persuade them. Wasn't the case. The church at Antioch, I'm sorry, I'm going to, I, I mixed up my notes here. I'm going to go back. Acts 15, so they encouraged unity, uh, Barnabas encouraged unity. And we're going to look at Acts 15, 1, 2, 3, and 4. And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them would go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. And being brought on the way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles. And they caused great joy unto all the brethren. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders. And they declared all things that God had done with them. So this unity, it was important, right? Look at all the problems we see coming out of Washington, D.C. That's discouraging to me. It's discouraging every day to me to see that. He told us the story of going there. They met Mike Pence. Mike Pence was busy, but he took the time to pray with them, to meet them. They went into the chapel, the Senate chapel, and there was a vote going on, and there was a delegate from South Carolina who went into the chapel and prayed for God's leading on how he should vote on this issue. And he looked down, and the Bible was opened, and I forget the verse, but it was very significant, and it showed him the way he should go. That was encouraging to me, and I'm sure it was to Linda too, because in a time when everything we look at in that venue is very discouraging, you don't see that on the news. But to hear that, it gave me a hope. It was very encouraging. Like, yes, there are good men there. There are good men that pray for God's leadership in the decisions they make there. I didn't know that. But, but then I could tell other people that. So that encouraged me. Hopefully it encourages you, and you'll go tell somebody about it. And it is encouraging, and it should be spread, because those things, that's how encouragement works. It gets spread. It gets shared. So if you get encouraged, encourage. It's a, it's, it's a natural flow, and it, it should happen that way. And that, that's really the, you know, the best thing. Encouragers look at the big picture. How about, how about us? How about you? How about me? Do I look at the big picture? Do I look at myself? Right? What's the cause of Christ is the big picture. Am I, gonna, am I looking at what's best for this church? What's best for the cause of Christ? Or am I looking at what's best for me? What's best for Tim Butler? We need to all ask ourselves that because that shows who we are. If we want to be that encourager, we want to have that, mini, that ministry, ministry of encouragement, then that's who we need to be. Look at the big picture. Be an encourager. Be a Barnabas. That's all I have. Thanks.